We are still in the season of Lent. I think Pastor would have told you it's 40 days, excluding the Sundays, so it will end on Easter. So it's a time to remember these 40 days, especially. It's not that uh, we don't remember after Lent. We still remember. But Lent is that particular season where we will we look at the grace of God for us, how Christ sacrificed His life for us. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray that you will open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts, Lord, to receive your words. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our God and our Redeemer. Amen. Uh, it's okay. We, we don't have to wait for the screen to come on. Now, I have a story to tell you. Some of you would have heard this story a few years ago. I, I think uh, it is a good story to illustrate what, uh, how it is related to the message for today. Now, this is a fictional story. It's, it's a fiction. So at the end of the age, all the believers, they were standing waiting in line to get into heaven. And so God appeared and said, I want the men to form two lines. One line will be the men who were who the true heads of their family or the household. The other line will be for the men who were dominated by their wives. And God continued, I want all the women to report to St. Peter. So the women left and the men formed two lines. Now the line of men who were dominated by their wives was really long and unending. The line of men who were the true head of the household has only one man in it. And God said to the first line, you men ought to be ashamed of yourselves. I appointed you to be the heads of your households and you were disobedient and have not fulfilled your purpose. Of all of you, there is only one man who obeyed me. So learn from him. So God turned to this lonely man, lone man, and asked, how did you come to be in this line? And the man replied, my wife told me to stand here. <laughs> Today, we are going to look at what the scripture says about the role of the wife, the husband, and the children. And the Bible tells us also the man is supposed to be the head of the house. The scripture has been read by Jared, so uh, at times I will be going back to some of the verses. Just a recap uh, of what has been going on the five Sundays. We're looking at a, at a theme of redemption as a family. The first Someone title was Bondage. Talks about slavery of Israel in Egypt. And this is symbolized by the bondage of sin over all of us, humanity. The second uh, sermon topic was God uses the family as part of his purpose. 
We find that God raised up a future deliverer through a family. And then we talk about, we heard about Moses being the deliverer which God has chosen to deliver the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. Thirdly, we heard about God's provision for deliverance and then what? We learn about what God has done for the family. It's not only the family, but it's also for the community as a whole. Last week, Pastor, uh, Pastor Reverend Gowrie talked about generational faith. That means what? Imparting our faith to the next generation. And in particular, she mentioned about obedience, the word obedience. And today, we are going to look at still the redemption as a family, as a theme, and here the topic is Christ as the head of church and the family. That is regarding our relationships in the community of faith and in our families. Let's just look at the word redeemer. We have heard about the word redemption and so on. So what is a redeemer? A redeemer is someone who buys back something. It's just like a, a slave is bought back, is bought by somebody, redeemed from the master. Someone who comes to save and rescue. That's why we say comes, Christ comes to save and rescue us from the bondage of sin. Or we can say someone who delivers others out of trouble. So when somebody gets us out of trouble, that person is a redeemer. So somebody bails us out of jail, is a redeemer. And what is most important is Christ is our Redeemer. So in this season of land, we must, be, we must re remind ourselves that Christ is our Redeemer. Christ redeemed us from our sins. The result of sin is death, separation from God. But then Christ paid a very heavy price for us all by his death on the cross. He paid the, the, the cost, but then it was free as a gift to all of us. That's why the part that was read by Jerry just now on Ephesians chapter 2, we are taught about, we, we hear the word of God says, we are saved through grace by faith. It is a gift of God. It is not through our own works. And if we were to go back a few verses in the scripture that was read, that is uh, Ephesians, we, read, we started from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21, to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. But if we go slightly backwards of Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verse 21, Paul was speaking to the Christians in Ephes in, at Ephesus. And it talks about being filled with the Spirit being filled with the Spirit. Now remember the city of Ephesus. It's a big city. And most of the people, they worship the goddess Artemis. Artemis. So they were in their sins. And, and Paul reminded them to what? To refrain from the sins of the past. And to live a Christian life, to be filled with the Spirit. Now we will see how, why I mentioned this, being filled with the Spirit. Because being filled with the Spirit is very important for us in family 
relationships. So, the sermon framework is this. We look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 24. We talk about relationship of wives to husbands. Then we look at relationship of husbands to wives and relationship of children to their parents. You know, one of the challenging for all of us as Christians, we come to worship services and we listen to pastor's sermon and whoever is preaching. You know, the following we ask, what did pastor preach? Huh? We go puzzle, right? We can't remember what pastor speaking. Uh, 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 uh. What did he speak? Huh? So today, I'm trying to help you to remember. I will test you next week if I see you. I want you to take out your right hand or your left hand, right? You do like this. Let's, let's put up your hand, do like this. That means that one thumb here, the three fingers are together, and this little index finger, like this. Now, this is interesting. The thumb. The thumb here represents the topic. And what is the topic for today? What's the topic for today? Our sermon title, lah. Wow. Oh, see, even the sermon title forgot already, see? And the sermon title is what? Christ is the head of the what? The family, alright? Then, there are these three key points. Relationship of wives to husband, relationship of husband to wives, right? And relationship of children to their parents, right? And the last is what? To recap, to recap all the three points, the key points, you will never forget about it. So, use your thumb, uh, use your thumb. The palm of your hand is most useful. So that will help you to remember. So remember, whenever pastor is preaching, remember, show pastor, I can remember your sermon, this. Okay, let's move on. So let's look at relationship of wives to husbands. And here we are looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21, 24. 21 of chapter 5 of Ephesians, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, we, we sang the hymn, Blessed Assurance, is there, perfect submission. What? What is the meaning of submission? What is the meaning to submit to one another? Here, the Bible tells us, as Paul tells the Ephesians, submit to one another. And what is the motivation for doing that? Out of reverence for Christ. In other words, do we revere Christ. Do we show that reverence to Christ? Now, if we show reverence to Christ, we will learn how to submit to each other. So let us, be care uh, let us now look at the word submit. In 22, the Bible tells us, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, verse 21 says, submit what? To one another in reverence for Christ. For Christ. So wives have to submit to their husband as we submit to Christ. That is the meaning of it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 says, wives, submit yourselves to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. 
So what is submission? I was on my way to Singapore and I was in a taxi. And then what happened is, I was trying to say, how can I help people, help the congregation this morning to remember what is the meaning of submit? So I started with the word S. So what is S? What does S mean? To submit requires sacrifice. It's sacrifice. To submit is to sacrifice. Sacrifice what? Sometimes we want to win all the time. To submit is not to win all the time. To submit doesn't mean you're weak. In fact, you are strong when you submit. Sometimes, you know, somebody, you are looking for a parking place, you go so, so many rounds, and then all of a sudden, uh, one car overtakes you and, and just ran into the parking lot as you were about to get it. Now, you are very angry, right? Oh, that was my lot! And then the fellow come out and say, did you pay for the lot? So you may have a, a, what I call an argument. No, we don't just submit to each other. Okay, it's a small matter. Yeah, you can take that, sir, if you want. I will look for another one. That doesn't mean you're weak. When Christ washed the feet of his disciples, that doesn't mean that Christ is weak. Christ is showing sacrifice. Christ is leading by example. So that is S. S means sacrifice. You is what? Understanding. Now in the family, remember, we sacrifice. We sacrifice our children, right? We sacrifice for the family. Sometimes we sacrifice for our relatives, for our friends even. So you is understanding. We have to seek to understand. Especially what? Our children, our spouse, others. Sometimes we don't seek to understand people. <coughs> we expect people to understand us first. What is B? B means be loving. It calls for love. So as sacrifice, you understanding, be love. Do you notice that I don't go four and five yet? I go back to one, two, three. This is to help you remember what is S, what is U, and B. Let me give you an illustration now. Some of us may be taking care of a sick person. A loved one at home. Now, when somebody is not well, and you want to take care of the person, you are the caregiver. Friends, it is a big challenge. It is a big challenge. Sometimes you say, oh, you should take your medication, or you should take this food. Did you take your food today? This special type of food that you must eat? That person says, no, I didn't eat it. Wow, you get very frustrated, isn't it? Really? And you are seen to be nagging. And you know, sometimes you get so frustrated 
you get so fed up. You say, I have made all effort to cook the food for this sick person. I have cared for this person. I make sure that person take the medication and so on. And yet this person does not appreciate my efforts. It is really frustrating. You know, there comes a time when I become so frustrated and I begin to resign to myself and said, okay, uh, do whatever you like. Uh. Go ahead. I'm not going to be responsible anymore. But then, you know, that word came to my mind. And that word is love. L-O-V-E. Be loving. And as we remember Christ's love for us, uh, we can then appreciate why we must show love to somebody who is not well. It's a challenge. So S U B. What is M? M means meekness. To be meek, gentle. Jesus was meek. Is meek and gentle. Are we meek and gentle to somebody? Any one of our friends meek and gentle, or are we rough with them? Are we harsh with them? What is I? I stands for interest. The Bible tells us many times, we have to look at the interest of the other person. And sometimes we are very selfish, our selfish nature. We tend to look at ourselves, our own interests, rather than at the interest of another person. So when we submit, we look at the interest of another person. In the case, the wife submit to the husband is to look at the interest of the husband. The husband to the wife, look at the interest of the wife. Parents to the children is to look at the interest of the children. And finally, the word T. The word T of submit is to trust. T-R-U-S-T. We have to trust God for everything. So S-U-B-M-I-T, sacrifice understanding, be loving, meek, look at the interests, and T, trust. So you see, say, uh, when, when a person from the woman's lip uh, see this verse, uh, while submit yourselves to your husband, uh, as is fitting the Lord, you know what they say, why should I submit to my husband? We are equal, huh? Why? So the idea of feminism. No. I can be above my husband. Why should I submit to my husband? There is a choice for us. Is it God's way or is it the world's way? Or you say, my way. Your own way. So we have to look at God's way. Why God's way? 
Because God's way, if we look at God's way, because God is a God of order. If our world and the universe is not in order, there will be chaos. If we look at our universe, there you see the sun there and all the planets, huh? and you see earth there, I think it's the third one, the third circle is the earth. If the earth is too near the sun, we will all get toasted. If the earth is too far from the sun, we, we will freeze to death. And yet you find that these planets do not clash with each other. God created the universe. God created chaos, turned chaos into order. And God wants an order in also the family. And that's why we look at God's way. So he wants to bring, God wants to bring order to our lives as he did with the universe. So without God, there is nothing but chaos. And that's why we see marriages broken down. We talk about marriages among non-Christians, but there are also broken marriages among Christians, sad to say. There are even Christians who divorce. I was in Singapore, and uh, I was with a lady. She is a Christian, and she tells me this. You know about our late LKY, of course referring to Lee Kuan Yew? And our Lee Kuan Yew uh, is a one-wife man, uh, one-woman man. He is very, very loyal to his wife. He loves his wife very, very much. That is LKY. Sometimes we think that, you know, they, we, we don't expect to hear of Christian uh, divorce, Christian couple. There are. According to a report, of course, this is overall for, for Malaysia. That means it includes everybody. There's a divorce every 10 minutes in Malaysia. Oh, shocking, isn't it? There is a divorce every 10 minutes in Malaysia. That means the whole of the country. And that is a sad thing. Where we see the break, a breakdown of families. So, John Piper wrote this meaning of submission. Submission is the defined calling of a wife to honour and affirm her husband's leadership. That means the husband is to to lead, and so help to carry it through according to her gifts. So when you say, wife submit to your husband, so the wife, what does it mean? Okay, oh, husband say anything, ah, I must follow on. Oh. So what if the husband tells you to do something which is against God's way? Would you do it? You say, oh yeah, Bible say follow, oh. submit. Oh. But if the husband tells you to something which is sinful, the wife has to tell the husband tactfully that it's not right. You can. You can tell this to the husband. Remember, the wife's role is also to support the husband, to respect the husband, rather than to judge the husband. 
So submit, sacrifice, as I said, understanding, uh, loving, meekness, interest of another, and trust. Verse 23 tells us this. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Uh, that is this analogy. Husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the saviour. And so, so the, the, the Bible tells us the husband must take the leading role in the family. And that calls for great responsibilities. So God's way, husband is the head of the wife, and then it goes to Christ as the head of the church. The third point you see here, the roles in marriage are not culturally determined, but are rather ordained by God, even at creation. So we don't have time to look at, you know, marriage was instituted actually in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. Right? And we say that, you see, here, Eve did not submit to, to, to Adam. In fact, that sin came into the world. So submission to your husband is part of your obedience to the Lord. One of the most difficult things you know, as Christians is the word obedience. And I, you know, I ask myself, why are Christians not, so, not dynamic enough? Why are we not so dynamic enough? Why can't we, how can we be more fruitful for the Lord? That word is obedience. It is one thing to look at the word of God, to study the word of God. It is another thing, friends, uh, to obey. It's just like, you know, Christ talked about the wise man built his house upon the rock versus the wise man who built his house on the sand. James tells us that, you know, we must what? We must do. We are not supposed to be hearers only. We must be doers of the word. We're supposed to read the word of God. But then we disobey God. We don't read the word of God. We don't pray. We pray only when we need a, a 999 image to God. Then, then only we start praying. But other days, we don't pray. So we, we, we need to, to obey God. So look at the point two. To fight against the idea of being subject to a husband is like fighting against the Lord who ordained this order in marriage. So that is this order in marriage. But then you see, in verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, it goes on to tell us Wives should submit to their husbands in everything. As I said, well, in everything doesn't mean even the bad things also you follow the husband. The, follow, the husband asks you to smuggle drugs, you also follow. Oh, that is not right. First Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 6 says this. Likewise, wives you subject to your own husband, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one with a, without a word by the conduct of their wives. So wives... Let your conduct show the way. Especially when you are, your, heart, your, your spouse is not a believer. You have to show the way by your conduct, by your example as a Christian. So when they see your respectful and pure conduct, 
Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold and jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight, is very precious. It goes on. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husband and gave the example here. Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord as you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Let's move on now to relationship of husband to wife. So now let's look at the responsibilities. Wife, you say, submit to the husband as a leader of the house. Now, husband, what is your role? Bible tells us, Ephesians chapter 5, 25 to 27, husband, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. Husband, love your wife. If we love our wives, those of us are married now, we will not do anything bad to our wives. We can even forgive our wives. Yes, even when sometimes your wife frustrates you, you and your wife next you, make a lot of complaints. And about sick people, uh, I've seen these cases, uh, my, my mother, you know, complain and complain. You know, every day you hear her complaining, sometimes uh, it drives you bonkers. Uh. You hear nothing good, uh, but it's all complaints. Uh. So when somebody is sick, uh, they will tend to complain and complain, and I will say, how about doing something? What should you do instead of complaining? Don't just complain. Do something about it. Husband, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to husband, to himself, as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or blemish, but holy and blameless. So husbands, we have to be blameless. We have to be blameless. Holy and blameless. Remember, Ephesians, if we go on, it tells us in verses 28 to 33, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives, but as their own bodies. Now, who doesn't love their own body? You will take care of your body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body. Just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So, when two become one flesh, husbands should not be looking for another woman. Because you and your wife are already united into one flesh. This is a profound ministry, the Bible, a mystery, the Bible tells us. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So you can see this mutual respect. Wife respecting the husband, the husband also must respect the wife. The third part, the relationship of children to their parents. 
Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, chapter 6, 1 to 3 tells us, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. My younger son, when he was small, I was away. My wife and I, we, we were working outside Penang. And my younger son, Aaron, was left with my mother <coughs> and my sister to take care of him. And so he attended the Presbyterian kindergarten. And he comes back. I go back only on a weekend. And he would tell me, you know, son, today uh, in, in, in the uh, kindergarten, uh, we were taught this, you know, honor your father and your mother so that you will live a long, long life. And I still can remember today what he said to me. It's something that they learn, and that is through the ministry of the kindergarten. And so likewise, in, in the ministry of our church kindergarten, we can learn all this. We can impart this truth to the children. And then it goes on in verse 4. Fathers! This is pointing to the fathers. Well, of course, the fathers are referring to mothers also. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, what do you mean by to provoke? How do fathers or mothers provoke their children? Even they're so angry, even you can see smoke coming out. They're so steam up already. Favoritism. You know, sometimes this is unavoidable. No? You tend to love one of the, your children more than the other. Now, the other child will what? Will feel bad about it. You know, Robert Kwok in his memoirs, I can't find in Penang. I bought it at Changi Airport and read it. They say it's a hot cake. It's a selling of hot cakes. You can't find in the bookshops in Penang. And as I read, Robert Kwok talks about his young days. He have, they have three brothers, Philip, William, and him, Robert. And he says what? The father always favored the second son, William. And he was not the favorite one. And it was even on the meal table when I want to grab the chicken, the father would stop him and say, no, this is for William. So he grew very bitter regarding his father because his father showed favoritism. And so, friends, be careful about showing favoritism to our children because the one who is not in favor will feel bad about it, will even be bitter about it. And that's how we can provoke our children. Second, when we neglect them, how do we neglect them? We neglect them because of our work. We are so busy, we have no time for them. That's why I see, you know, the, the parents, uh, they say, oh, we want to have quality time with our parents, although we don't spend time, we have quality time. But then you find that the quality time is not quality time. The quality time is looking down at their iPhones and iPads. That is their quality time. What about the next one? Unrealistic goals. We impose unrealistic goals on our children. Oh, you uh, must be like uh, your brother, uh, your cousin, you know. They scored nine A's, you know, in SBM. 
So, uh, you must score nine A's. And so the child is not under pressure. We give unrealistic goals to our children. Next one. Discouragement. You know, there are ways we discourage our children and we provoke them. You are good for nothing. Ah, I don't think uh, you can ever make it. Uh. You know, the trouble is, you see, the irony is this, uh, when the kid is so small and smaller and is about to walk, uh, they try to walk and then they fall down and then they get up again, right? We see them, wow, we're very happy that they can start to walk. But then if a child boy starts to walk and falls down, do we say, you stupid fella, you fall down, like that, you cannot walk, don't walk no more. Do we say that? We encourage them to walk. But when they grow up, we do the opposite. Sometimes through the words that we say, we are not encouraging them. We are discouraging them. So, be careful about provoking. So parents are responsible to raise their kids in the family, in the Christian faith, by their teachings and their examples. Now, before that, uh, I, I left out verse 4. Verse 4 well, tells us about what? We look at the Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4. What does it say here? Uh, chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate them. Bring them to children. Bring them up. Uh, do not exasperate your children. Uh, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Yeah, that's what we learn. The other thing is this. If we really care for our children, the children also must care for us, especially in our old age. That's something that uh, we have to tell our children. Hey, don't leave me behind. Uh. We, we, we put a lot of sacrifice in the children. Uh. And when we are old uh, and the children all desert us, uh, we feel very bad about it. Uh. See? So, children must also be taught to look after their, their what I call that. I would say, uh, children, uh, I would say the opposite way, you know. We say instead of fathers, uh, do not exasperate your children. Uh, it's this one. Children, uh, do not exasperate your fathers. They can also exasperate your father by one, neglecting them also, discouraging them. Ah, yeah, you are so old, uh, cannot read, they don't read, uh, just sleep. Uh. It, you know, this is very discouraging. Look at the application. Uh. The first application for us is one. We look at the relationship of Christ to the church because the relationship of Christ is a foundation of relationship in the home and the church community. It is so important for us. It's the foundation. And the devil knows, knows very well. If the devil knows how to break the families, uh, ah, then that is a victory for Satan. Break the families. Break them up. And that will cause the breakdown of what? The community. And that will lead to the breakdown of the nation. And Christ shows us the agape love. It's unconditional. When we take care of our children, uh, it's unconditional love. We're going to say, I take care of you. Huh? Huh? So, uh, next time, uh, you know what to do. Huh? When we take care of a, of a loved one who is sick, it's also unconditional. It's sacrificial. It tells us about Christ's love for us. And then Christ redeemed us at a costly price. And that we have to remember that. So that we can apply this. Whenever we are faced with a station, costly price and all, it redeemed us. Conclusion. 
God is a God of order. And God has shown us His ordered design for marriage and the family. Before, let us pray. Sermon title? Christ is the head of the family, right? Church, right? First point. Key point. Yeah, relationship of wife to husband, right? Second what? Relationship of husband to wife, right? Then third one is what? Children to their parents. And now I'm repeating again. Remember, Christ is the head of the family and the community. And so likewise, we have to obey Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray for all, for all families here gathered this morning. We pray for husbands that they will love their wives as they love their own bodies. That they will learn to respect their wives and be faithful to their wives. Likewise, we pray for all the wives. But Father, they will submit to the husbands and acknowledge the leadership of the husband in the family. We pray, Father, for all the wives that they will be gentle, meek and mild. They will respect their parents. And thirdly, we pray for parents, Lord, that we will not exasperate our children, but, Father, that we will love them unconditionally, without favoritism, without ne neglecting them, without discouraging them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.